You're listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and with me today is Dr. Brett Summy, the Chief Resident in the Department of Dermatology at Drexel University College of Medicine in Philadelphia. Dr. Summy has a strong clinical interest in rheumatic skin diseases and the treatment of pruritus. Welcome. Thanks. My pleasure to be here. Dr. Summy, what is subacute cutaneous lupus? Well, as primary care providers, most of your listeners are likely knowledgeable on systemic lupus erythematosus and its many associated morbidities. And many are probably are also aware of the butterfly skin eruption, which in dermatology we call acute cutaneous lupus. However, lupus can affect just the skin and not have any systemic manifestations. And the two principal conditions which this occurs are what we call chronic cutaneous lupus and subacute cutaneous lupus. Subacute cutaneous lupus is, of all the forms of lupus, the most photosensitive. It's classified by its clinical presentation, so it's very distinct clinically, and um, it does have a distinct serological profile as well. In distinction to other forms of lupus, such as acute and chronic cutaneous, uh, which tends to have a slightly increased prevalence in African-American community, this form is principally in uh, Caucasians, typically young to middle-aged women. And how does it usually present? Well, there's two clinical variants, one of which we call polycyclic, and that essentially means that it forms in circles that can coalesce together and it almost looks like a collection of circles. And the other form, which we call papulosquamous, and in that form, what that word means basically are scaly bumps, and so you get numerous of these round plaques that are very scaly. The patients describe a sudden eruption after sun exposure. As I mentioned, this is very photosensitive disorder. It gradually progresses after this initial eruption. It will gradually progress over time. It's most commonly located on the upper trunk, um, the upper back and shoulders, extensor forearms, lateral face, and the V of the of the chest, places where the, obviously the sun would be exposed. And these lesions can last for months. This condition tends to be chronic, however, it'll recur. So they do much better in the fall and winter months, and then when spring and summer comes, they flare again. Are there any specific lab studies for this problem? Yes. One of the main reasons that this entity is even separated from the other forms of lupus is because it has a distinct serological marker, and that is the anti-SSA or anti-Rho antibody. Rho is an what we call an extractable nuclear protein, which it actually, when you check an anti-nuclear antibody test, you're testing for all sorts of these proteins. However, occasionally the ANA can be negative because the rho proteins are so small. So this is actually one of the only nuclear proteins that can be positive in the uh, absence of a positive ANA. So it's important if you suspect this disorder to actually check both the ANA and the anti-rho antibodies. Do these patients then progress to systemic lupus? Typically, these patients will never meet four of the 11 criteria of the uh, American College of Rheumatology, their criteria to diagnose systemic lupus. However, many times these patients are with uh, extracutaneous manifestations. Most commonly, it will be in the form of arthralgias or arthritis. Some will complain of fatigue. I think that probably happens in about a quarter of these patients. And then 
more concerning is about 15% can develop renal involvement. So I presume you routinely check labs for that as well? We do. Usually if we see these patients once a year or twice a year, we'll check urinalysis and, of course, take a history for the fatigue and arthralgias, but certainly that as well. Any other potential problems for these folks? Since almost 90% of these patients, almost all of them, have the anti-Rho antibody, there's two main problems for these patients. In the absence of ever developing extracutaneous side effects, for the most part, this disease is a nuisance to them. However, there are two potential problems. And the first one is that if these patients are young potential mothers, the uh, anti-Rho antibody can be passed to the fetus in utero. And probably about 10% of mothers who are Rho positive will pass this antibody to their children, and then the children can develop neonatal lupus. Neonatal lupus is not a good thing. About 50% of these babies are actually born with a heart block and require pacemakers. And another 20% will have thrombocytopenia, sometimes life-threatening. And then occasionally they can have liver problems too. So it's real important to educate these patients on this possibility and certainly have their OBGYN follow them closely. Another common problem for these patients actually is misdiagnosis. And although this rash is incredibly recognizable to dermatologists, this exact same thing can present secondary to a medication. I know that we've seen patients that have been referred for sort of recalcitrant subacute cutaneous lupus, and sure enough, you take a medication history, and the classic one are the thiazide diuretics, in particular hydrochlorothiazide, and stopping that medication totally resolved that person's eruption. If you've just joined us, you're listening to ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunch, your host, and with me today is dermatologist Dr. Brett Summy. We are discussing subacute cutaneous lupus. How do you go about treating these folks? Well, the mainstay of treatment for this eruption, being that it's so photosensitive and it tends to go away in the fall and the winter, is actually sun avoidance. What typically happens is this rash appears, in, as I mentioned, in, in younger women in their 20s and 30s, and Many of them have really enjoyed the sun and and like to be out in the sun, and so that can be very problematic. But as a general rule, what we'll tell them is to avoid the sun, try to avoid the sun between the hours of 10 and 2. That's when the ultraviolet light intensity is the highest. And if they have to be out, we encourage them to wear wide-brim hats and long sleeves to avoid exposure. And, of course, any skin that is exposed, we encourage them to use sunscreen too. It's very important for them to use sunscreens that are protective for ultraviolet A as well as ultraviolet B rays. And there's a few commercially available products that provide both protection for these. Another important thing for these patients is smoking cessation. Uh, as we've found that smoking will cause the intensity of this, r- of this rash to be worse, and also it also decreases the effectiveness of some of the medications that we use to treat this disorder. Any topical treatments? Typically, this eruption isn't very pruritic or itchy. However, occasionally it can be, and the topical steroid agents, mid-potency and sometimes even the uh, super-potency uh, steroids, are very good for this eruption. When it involves the face, we'll use the newer agents, which are the calcineurin inhibitors, there's two marketed under the name Eladil and Protopic. 
And these medications are nice for the face because they don't have the side effects of steroids, but are uh, very effective for the lupus. As far as systemic treatment, the one that's the very best for this eruption is the anti-malarial agent, Plaquenil. Uh, many of these patients, you start them on 200 milligrams twice a day, and within a matter of four to six weeks, they're just doing excellent with almost complete resolution of their eruption. And what you can sometimes do for these patients is actually treat them starting in the early spring with Plaquenil, and uh, they're actually able to stop it late summer and not be on any medication for the winter. They tend to do great with that. Now, let's move on to chronic cutaneous lupus. How does that differ? Well, chronic cutaneous lupus, for the most part, it, it differs on the, the way that it appears clinically. The lesions, they start as red papules or plaques, most commonly on the face, the central face, the scalp, and a really classic place is actually within the ear bowl. We call it the conchal bowl of the ear. Over the course of these lesions, they evolve, and they go from being these red papules or plaques to being more scaly, and they have some pigmentary changes. They can become hyperpigmented and hypopigmented. They can have areas where they're thicker and scalier, and then more in the center, you'll have some atrophy. And sometimes if you look closely, you can see some follicular plugging. So at least clinically, these tend to be more on the face and scalp, less on the body. Unfortunately, with chronic cutaneous lupus, these lesions resolve with scarring, whereas subacute cutaneous lupus does not. Now, is chronic cutaneous lupus associated with the systemic disease more or less than subacute? Actually, it's, it's less. Very, very rarely will patients with chronic cutaneous lupus develop SLE, probably on the order of 5%. And patients that have it just on the head and neck rarely sort of clues to those 5% that may develop lupus down the road are when they have generalized involvement of the body, which is exceedingly rare. And then when patients develop it at a younger age, that can be a, a risk factor for potential development later in life. Now, is this the same thing as discoid lupus? It is. Chronic cutaneous lupus is synonymous with discoid lupus. However, there are a few other forms of lupus, such as tumid lupus and lupus that involves the subcutaneous fat that all fall in to the chronic cutaneous category, but discoid is certainly one of them. Well, thank you so much for appearing on our show today. We've been talking with dermatologist Dr. Brett Summy and discussing subacute and chronic cutaneous lupus. I am Dr. Leslie Lunt. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, please send your emails to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.